Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about open adoption through an adoptee's perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide Podcast. This is episode number 63, and my name is Tim Elder. This is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption, where we help guide you through the overwhelm so you can adopt faster with more confidence and less headaches. We're here for you, and thank you for joining me today. Today's episode is sponsored by Bethany Christian Services. Bethany is a full-service Christian nonprofit adoption agency with locations in 36 states. They've been helping families adopt since 1944. They're going to help you create an adoption plan that's right for you and your family, and they'll be here to support you every step of the way. You know, your journey does not end when your adoption is finalized, and Bethany does an amazing job with post-adoption services for families, adoptive parents, and adoptees. So I invite you to check out some more about their adoption stories and how you can get started at Bethany at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well so you can click on that. So today we have an awesome episode. Angela Huggins from Bethany is here. She is an adoption specialist, a clinical supervisor for Bethany Christian Services in Charlotte, North Carolina office, but she's also an adoptee and she's going to hear, she's here to tell us and talk to us about her story and what open adoption means to her, you know, through an adoptee's perspective. You know, she has been working in social work field and nonprofit sector, helping serving individuals and children and family for more than 24 years She has experience working in family preservation and private practice and as a school-based therapeutic child therapist. And she's really just passionate about educating and empowering adoptive parents about issues pertaining to development needs of adopted children and parenting issues in just the adoptive family life. Her training and experience have equipped her to serve adoptive families and children in the areas of adoptive identity and transracial adoption, loss and grief, and the role of the search process in adoption. So she's really has a unique perspective uh, being an adoptee and in the adoption profession. And she does a fantastic job sharing her ideas about really what adoptive parents need to know when it comes to openness and how it affects adoptees and birth families. She just has a great, great perspective. So I know you're going to get a lot out of the interview. And here it is with Angela Huggins. All right. Well, hello and welcome to the show, Angela. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Tim? I'm doing fabulous, fabulous. And I'm so excited to have this topic and have you on the show because it's really an important topic to discuss and it really hits home with me, my wife and I uh, and our three kids who we've adopted as newborns and now they are 12, 6, and 2. So openness in adoption and how it affects adoptees and birth families and all that is really really important to us, I guess. And it has been, but it's really even more important now because the kids are getting a little bit older, asking more questions and realizing who their birth families are and what does that mean in their lives. So I'm excited to have you share your story. And you have such a unique perspective being an adoptee and an adoptive professional. I just, uh, I just really would like if you could just share your story really about how you were adopted and what life was like for you growing up as an adoptee. Sure. I'd love to share. Just, it's such a blessing for me when I have that opportunity. So I was adopted at 33 days old. My parents were, were older at the time, but just felt this calling towards adoption. Um, and I think that was really generated by their, by their sense of faith. And at the time of, of my adoption, I was considered a hard to place child. 
And that was just based on skin color. So I am half Mexican and half Puerto Rican, and my adoptive family is Caucasian. So for them, that was a real kind of uh, walking out on faith and and um, becoming a spicuous family was something that wasn't seen as often. They always shared with me that I was adopted. So there was never a time that I didn't know about my adoption. And so growing up in my family as a child that A, looked different from them um, and also was not biologically connected was just my different kind of normal. And I think it was because my my family did such a good job of telling me from the very beginning that I was adopted, normalizing that, um, but also making me feel very special in regards to that this was just God's plan for my life. And though it looked different from other people's, it was something that was special and something that was unique. So I, I never, again, felt like um, I was necessarily different. And it was just my different kind of normal. Uh, growing up as a child. Did you know other kids that were adopted while you were growing up? Good question. I mean, looking back, I believe there was only really one other child or a peer that I knew was adopted. And we actually were adopted from the same agency around the same time. Hmm. And so that was a really special connection that I had with that friend. But other than that, no, I really didn't have any uh, connection with any other kind of adoptive families or any kind of other adoptees at that time. But, you know, that didn't even necessarily really bother me. Again, it was just my different kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your parents sounded like they're very supportive of you growing up. And did you, did you ever get to the point where you're like, Hey, where are my birth family? Who, who are my birth family? Who's my birth mother? Yeah. I think that question um, is something that all adoptees have at different stages in their life. Um, to different degrees. And it was something that I was always really curious about. It necessarily wasn't something that I felt because I didn't know that I felt an incompleteness or I felt like there was something missing. And so at the time of my adoption, adoptions were considered closed. So you didn't really get a lot of information and you weren't privileged to really knowing where you've come from. I had some very basic non-identifying information about my beginnings, but other than that, didn't really have a lot of information. So I, I definitely had a curiosity about it and would have a lot of conversations with my parents about those curious questions that I have and, and kind of the what if, but really nothing more than that. And, and I think that a lot of my security and feeling that I was okay with not necessarily having answers to those questions was generated out of my parents' security of who they felt like they were as my mom and as my dad. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, it, it probably made it a little more difficult because it was closed. Cause then you just almost, I don't know if you felt like it, but it seemed like you wouldn't have any chance to go back and find your birth mom or your birth family. And, did you ever get to that point where you actually did that and said, all right, I'm going to go looking for them and try to locate them and contact them? Yes, there are three different occasions where I did that. In the first occasion, I was a young adult and I decided that I really wanted some more medical history. 
Um, so that was still, you know, a desire to connect and, and get some questions answered, not necessarily a full-blown search in terms of my, my birth family. But um, I knew that was important information I needed to have as an adult. And during that time, going back to the adoption agency, I was, it was revealed that I have a half-sister. So at that point, you know, agencies, what they do is they try to act as a middleman and, and, and try to help to facilitate searches for adoptees. They asked me if I wanted to do to have that connection or reunite with my half-sister. So we shared the same birth mother, but different birth fathers. And she was placed in another adoptive home about 14 months after I was placed with my parents. So, and at that time, that was the only relationship that I decided I wanted to pursue in terms of connecting with birth family. But so that was kind of the beginning of that connection. With birth family, we're able to reunite and spend time with each other um, and get to know each other's families and still have a, a good relationship with her today. In fact, just got off the phone talking with her this morning about um, uh, plans for the summer to get together. And then really, I, I didn't do much more of a search after that until I was a little bit older. And really that search for my birth family in terms of my birth mother and our father was really motivated by the heart of my adoptive mother that she had for my birth family. So my entire life, my mom was always so good about, you know, bringing talking about my birth family, even when I wasn't necessarily asking questions or talking about it. And she always just had such a heart, especially for my birth mother, because she, she never wanted my birth mother to feel like she made a mistake or that she did something wrong and that she wanted to make sure my birth father knew like that she could be proud of me and that I turned out great and, and everything is fine. Um, she wanted to I think somehow play a part in resolving maybe some of those unanswered questions that my birth mother had um, that resulted out of, you know, placing a child. So really my, the, the next search that I did for my birth mother was really motivated out of that desire that came from the heart of my, of my adoptive mom mm -hmm. for my birth family. And I did a search again through my adoption agency that works as a middleman to help you be able to reunite with extended family. And the attempts were unsuccessful. They had sent several letters to my birth mother, but she just did not respond. And Tim, I can remember the day where the last letter had been sent. My adoption agency called me to say, you know, I'm really sorry you know, your, your birth mother is not necessarily responding to these letters. There's really not anything more we can do for you in terms of the search. And I remember sharing that with my mom. You know, my adoptive mom felt such a sense of grief and loss over that. And gosh, what a special moment. Because really what it said to me is that my mom was so secure in the fact of who she was in terms of being my parent that it, it was never a competition between my birth mother and my adoptive mother. And it was really, she kept me in the center of things as well, you know, in terms of just noting that this is something that is different in my life, but something to embrace. I just remember that just being such a special moment between my mom and myself and her just grieving over the fact that I wasn't able to connect. 
And I was okay with that. I think she had more of a hard time with me not connecting than I did, honestly. But just her heart for my birth mother is um, gave me a sense of security just in who I am as well. And then I, my mother has since passed. And during that time frame, the state that I was adopted from has changed some legislation um, in regards to original birth certificates and access of adoptees to those birth certificates. And what the legislation has been motivated by is really the right for adoptees to know where they come from. Many states are starting to realize that it's a really basic human right to Hmm. know where you come from and your biological roots. So they have changed the laws and just within the past couple of years, I've had the right to go ahead and request my original birth certificate, which in turn has the name of my birth mother and potentially also my birth father. So I requested that birth certificate and received that information. And Tim, for the first time in 40 some years, information that I had no right to, I had in my hands, which was really huge and had the ability than to make a decision that I could reach out to this this first mom who I never knew who she was or her name was, and now I had it. So it's really been in the last two years that I have successfully done that, reconnected with my birth mom, had an opportunity to meet some extended birth family, and really kind of develop a new chapter in my life in terms of being an adoptee and getting answers to some very basic questions. Um, things like, you know, where did I get my curly hair from? You know, why am I bad at math? (laughs) And just having an opportunity to be able to really bring some resolution to some of those questions that I've always wondered about, but never had answers to, and were told that I would never even have the legal right to those answers based on my adoption being closed. That's incredible. Was that a, I'm sure it was a pretty emotional moment when you guys finally got to meet face-to-face. Um, it was emotional, but, you know, we had an opportunity to connect by phone first. So okay. we spent, you know, a good number of months just really kind of talking and trying to get to know each other and then planned a visit, a face-to-face visit together, which I was able to do with my half biological sister and that made it even more sweet to have somebody else to kind of walk that journey with and have that experience with so it's only been recently in this past september had my my first face-to-face meeting with my birth mother and a lot of her extended family which was really a neat experience certainly didn't come with didn't come without some trepidation and some anxiety, but at the end of the day, you know, just really was um, some sweet time together. Well, yeah, I mean, you work in the adoption field, so I'm sure you've seen this. You've talked to people that have done it. I mean, you know what openness and and adoption means and all that stuff. So uh, you have such a unique perspective and then you go through it yourself, which is an incredible experience for you i mean i just can't even imagine that and it really helps i think helps us understand the 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 real meaning and purpose of openness and adoption and how much different it is now than it was then and and why openness is so important to adoptees and 
the whole adoption triad, you know, adoptees, birth families, and adoptive families or adoptive parents. I mean, it, it's it's a very important thing, and mm-hmm. and I think that you bring such a unique perspective. I'd like you to talk about, you know, maybe like what why you chose the adoption field in the first place to be and become an adoption professional, and then how that works into open adoption and what openness adoption means to you and why and what you can share with others about openness. Sure. Well, working in the adoption field and really what drove me to this point in my life was really the example of my parents to serve others. And that was largely motivated by our sense of faith. And I can remember as a young child sitting on the floor of a crisis pregnancy center well, my adoptive mom, who at the time was a volunteer there, a volunteer counselor, spent time talking with women who were experiencing unplanned or unwanted pregnancies. And she was just there to encourage and speak life into them. And just having that example as a young child, that that's just what you do, was really a motivating factor for me to go into the field of social work. And then I think, secondly, just having such a positive adoption experience growing up and always feeling secure in the fact that I was adopted and there wasn't a time that I didn't know, that I think naturally made me want to have a desire to to give back as an adoption professional. And even though I never, I didn't start my career out um, working in the field of adoption, I definitely always had a heart for children and families. But I always knew there would be a time that I wanted to work specifically with adoptions and have that opportunity to give back and encourage and inspire. And, and, you know, and, and I've been doing this 13 years and have opportunity to get up and speak in front of potential adoptive parents. And one of the things that I always say is that, you know, my just the opportunity to be able to to share a little bit of my story and, and help them navigate the process, you know, so largely motivated by, by my own parents and them giving me such a, a positive experience. And, you know, and, and I'm looking into the eyes of these new adoptive parents, I really see the reflection of my own parents in their eyes and, and really thank them for stepping out on faith, doing something that is different, doing something that is scary doing something that might look different and how much of a difference that has made in my life. And I wouldn't be where I am without my adoptive parents. So just, yeah, having that opportunity, being able to work in this field, is it's really just such a gift and, and a blessing. So how do you um, see going from a closed adoption where you grew up in and now seeing all the open adoption going on, the openness, how do you see how that's changed the adoption environment and the and really how it affects the relationships. I mean, obviously it does, but can you talk about that and what it means? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been such a big difference between closed adoptions years ago and then opportunity for adoptions to be open. And really all that research, all the research about open adoption tells us, hey, we're moving in the right direction. Like this is the most healthy thing for children. But I think what I would say in terms of my own experience is that, you know, my birth parents always played, always had a psychological presence in my life. And so whether you're navigating a closed adoption or an open adoption, you know, that will always be true. That birth parents are are there in the minds and the hearts of, of your children. Um, but I think that open adoption has given us such a gift 
um, in terms of, again, being able to to put in the missing missing pieces of the puzzle so that we can have a complete picture as adoptees as to who we are and answer those questions that those basic questions about where we come from and who we are that help to shape our identity. I think that has been probably one of the best changes that has occurred in adoptions over the last 50, 60 years because it really contributes to children being able to establish a healthy adoptive identity and feel really secure in who they are so that they can grow up to be healthy and well-adjusted adults. Yeah. In your experience then in being an adoption professional, then have you, do you have some stories or examples of, of folks who have dealt with the openness with birth family adoptees and adoptive families? how how that can be successful how it can how it looks to somebody who maybe is listening to this who's never seen what open adoption looks like and maybe even scared about what open adoption is sure yeah i could probably give um hundreds of examples of families but i think what i would encourage when people are trying to consider you know do i have what it takes to to enter into an open adoption and can I do that well is that really first of all you cannot be driven by a spirit of fear Um, and I think that adoptive parents come into this process with a with a sense of fear over open adoption and I think that's normal and and that's okay you know to, to initially have a little bit of anxiety or fear over that but it's just not a place that you want to stay in and fear ne- necessarily isn't a healthy emotion to have and, 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 and stay in. I think it motivates us, um, but we just don't want to stay in that spirit of fear. So really what I encourage adoptive parents to do is that seek realistic expectations about what open adoption is and what it's not. And having realistic expectations will lead to healthy expectations on the back end. You know, so many of these fears that people have about open adoption really come from inaccurate depictions in our media. Kind of have a a funny saying with the new adoptive parents that they need to to sign and agree to the fact that they will not watch any more Lifetime TV movies (laughs) while they're going through this process. Um, Those movies have a tendency to sometimes depict adoptions very inaccurately um, and scare families. Really, there are also just so many negative stereotypes about adoption and adoptees and birth parents. So it's changing that, that view and that lens and really developing that on your own. That's come from research and come from fact-based books and information, which there are so many of that, those resources out there, you know, research has taught us that open adoption really is the best for the adoption triad. Um, it, It allows such good outcomes, for all involved. And a couple of things that research particularly has taught us is that one, that birth parents come to a greater sense of peace with their adoption and the decision to place a child when there's openness, when there is that quality of relationship between the adoptive family and the birth family. And they also say that adoptive parents report having just an overall greater satisfaction about their adoption and, and feeling a sense of increased confidence in being able to navigate some of these sensitive conversations they have with their children about birth family and that open relationship. And then lastly, adoptees have a better sense of who they are 
And they feel so much more secure in their identity because the openness allows them to have those missing pieces of their lives. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, our kids are really getting to the point where they're asking questions and they, and we do have thankfully relationships with their birth families, which is great. And they can ask those questions and they can have access to them and they do. And it, it does, I think, as you said, kind of help them as they're finding out there, they're learning about themselves and finding their own identity and, you know, kind of growing up and maturing that's going to be huge for them to know where they came from and who their birth families are. So I think it, I think it's also important for people to hear stories of, of successful people. You know, they have an open adoption. Here's what our open adoption looks like. And they're all different because openness is, has so much, so many different levels of what kind of communication you have. And, um, I, there's one that I shared. I interviewed a guy on episode 23 of the podcast, Jake Stewart, and he has an amazing open adoption relationship, his, him and his wife, with their uh, kids' his birth families. So I, I would encourage folks listening to this to just find some stories, too, and examples of people that have successfully have had open relationships with their kids' birth families. And I wanted to ask you just, you know, how can adoptive parents... So say you've already adopted, or maybe you haven't yet, but uh, you, you can learn from this. How do you help nurture your child's relationship with their birth family? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that nurturing that relationship with a birth family really starts with the adoptive parents. Again, being really fully present parents. And, and really what that means is just feeling secure in who they are, first of all, and in that being that child's mother and father. And having that sense of security will allow you to help navigate kind of the, the relationship that your child is embarking on with a, a birth parent. And also, as parents, allowing you to feel secure in um, child asking questions and, and maybe experiencing some hurt in these birth parent relationships. Really, it's uh, so important that, you know, you want to be able to make the child the center of all of this. And if, you know, if you're having some fears or worries about what that looks like and are you doing the right thing, making sure as parents that you're reaching out, you know, for support um, from adoption professionals so that you don't feel like you have to navigate this all by yourself. I think the other thing that helps kids is that, you know, you really want to encourage them to express what they're thinking and they're feeling in regards to these relationships. And that doesn't always mean, you know, talking about it. It can also mean helping them to express through art or music or writing or, or some other means just to help them to be able to um, articulate some of the feelings that they're, that they're experiencing. And then I think the other thing might, that would be helpful for, for adoptees is just helping them to connect with other children that have been adopted and are, might be experiencing some of the same types of experiences just being in the presence of others that share a similar story is so comforting can definitely be a, a powerful tool yeah, I would agree uh, for, with that. for your child. I think our kids go, thankfully go to school. I have some kids in their class and in other classes that have been adopted and it's talked about, it's shared. It's not a big deal and they don't make a big deal of it, but they know about that, about each other. And so I think you're right. It absolutely provides a level of comfort knowing that, Oh, okay. Somebody else in this world is, is going through what I'm going through. And it's just, 
like you said at the beginning, is our normal. This is our normal, and that's fine. Yeah. So what if somebody adopts and just doesn't have contact with or even know how to contact their birth family? You know, it's kind of similar to what how you grew up. And How would they navigate that and just help their child deal with that? Maybe will never have contact with their birth family. Certainly, there are some adoptions now that are completely closed and children won't get some of that information and and be able to explore that. I think that just being in the moment with your child and and acknowledging that there's hurt over the fact that they have limited resources to be able to connect with that side of who they are can be really powerful, you know, for your child. Certainly, we always encourage, you know, going back to that adoption agency and allowing them to help you in that process of trying to connect and gain more information about your child's story. And if, you know, people have done that and said, well, that hasn't been successful, you know, try again because the, there's always new tools. There's always new things that adoption agencies are learning about and efforts to try to help reunite. So just using your adoption agency as a resource. And then also, of course, you know, there's such an increase of adoptees connecting with birth family through social media outlets. And the internet. I mean, that has just been a huge proponent for adoptees to be able to to connect. So definitely would encourage ancestry sites have had a huge success in reuniting adoptees with birth family. At the beginning, when you're telling your story, what changed it for you is the adoption laws changed. And you were able to even find out who your birth mom's name is because you're able to get your original birth certificate. So I mean, I think that's huge for even folks that have not adopted yet. Keep that in the back of your mind that, hey, try to get a hold of that original birth certificate if you can before they, in some states, they seal the records even today. And so if you don't get it before they seal the seal those records up, then you, it it would have to be a law change down the road for the, your child to get that original birth certificate. So I would, I would suggest just doing those types of things and collecting as much information as you can while you can would definitely help your child um, down the road when they have, do have questions about their birth family. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even just an opportunity and to talk with a caseworker, you know, that worked with your child's birth parents. And just talking with them about, and of course they can't share identifying information, but just sharing about what that experience was like. And a lot of times you have opportunity to do that at time of placement, you know, and talking with that social worker about what was the exchanges like? What was her personality like? And those are the bits of information that as adoptees, we just really cling on to, you know, when we learn about things that seem so simple, but really have such a significant Um, meaning to adoptees, um, like you said, with with information, collecting as much as you can, absolutely, can really make a difference. And helping adoptees to be able to kind of resolve some of the the questions that they may have. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this over the course of the interview already, but if you you have any other do's and don'ts, like for hopeful adoptive families, when it comes to helping your child deal with the emotions and just working through 
involving their birth families and the openness part? Do you have some more do's and don'ts for anybody that's considering adoption? Sure. One of my big suggestions is don't try to make excuses for birth family or try to fix any problems that you perceive that they may have. We know that birth parents come from hard places, and sometimes it's our natural instinct as parents to want to shield and protect our children from that kind of information about birth parents or some of the problems or challenges that we perceive that they may have. Don't try to make excuses for that. And just really being in the moment with your child in terms of there's some grief, you know, over that, that you're just being sad with your child or being angry with your child or just, just being in that moment in terms of that. Also, don't not talk about birth family because your child's not talking about it. You know, kids have a tendency to internalize their feelings and because they're not talking about it doesn't mean they're not thinking about it. So really to help your child express those feelings, model that for them, you know, start having those conversations with them, even though they may not be necessarily articulating it. It definitely suggests that you want to, again, keep them in the center of all this because some of our own, you know, thoughts and feelings as parents, sometimes can really impact what we do and what we don't do. So really keeping in check with your own thoughts and feelings that may be difficult to handle or navigate um, and making sure that they don't really keep us in the way of doing what's best for a child and helping him or her connect or sort through some of these, you know, sensitive thoughts and feelings that they may have. Yeah, I was thinking of a question that maybe you could come up and that would be if so a child gets to a certain age and they're able to like you said think about a lot of this about their birth families and and maybe they don't know some important questions and they come to you as their mom and dad and say hey why was I adopted what happened that made my birth mom want to place me with another family uh, and, and and if you don't know that question the answer to that question how do you work through mm -hmm. that with your child? Yeah, that's a great question because, again, like I said, as parents, you know, we want to want to fix it for them. We don't want them to feel bad about anything. That's right. We want to give them, yeah, we want to give them an answer that they can feel good about. And sometimes, you know, the answer doesn't make us feel good. And I think I would just just really encourage you being honest with your child. Don't try to make, like I said, make excuses for birth parents. Don't try to make anything up that's not accurate. Have a discussion with them that's based on fact. And if you don't know the answer, just saying, you know, sweetie, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, your birth mother chose to place you or, or chose adoption. That's a really good question. Again, it's, it's showing that you're in the moment with them. You're not trying to fix it for them. But what you're hopefully doing is also equipping them with the tools on how to handle not having answers to some of those basic questions and helping them to feel that you're a safe place that they get, can go to, to wonder about that. Yeah, I really like that. I, I think, would it be okay? I just had a thought that would it be okay if you were to tell your child in that particular moment when you don't really know the answer to questions, especially about, the big one about why they were placed for adoption. But the other one is what if my, did my birth mom or birth dad even love me? 
And I think those are some hard questions that they probably are thinking about too. And would it be okay? Even if you don't know, I think you kind of inherently know and can say that, hey, your birth mom, your birth dad absolutely loved you. And that played a part in why they placed you for adoption because they absolutely loved you more than anything and they wondered what was best for you. Absolutely. And I think what we know about birth parents is that, you know, adoption, I mean, birth parents have one or three choices in our country. They can, when, when they're in an on-time pregnancy, they can go ahead and choose to parent, which they absolutely have the right to be able to do. And so many resources to even parent, single, you know, as a single parent, so they, they can absolutely parent, they can choose abortion, and they can choose adoption. And really, adoption is the probably the hardest out of those three choices in terms of being the most selfless act. And I think that in itself can indicate to, to adoptees that your birth parent made a choice out of love. And that that gives them the security to know that they were loved, that this birth parent gave them life. And then also chose a quality of life for them through through adoption. Absolutely, yes, that's that's very important information. I think for parents to know that you may have that question put to you, and I think you probably should be prepared how to answer it if you don't have the facts. <laughs> well, as right. we wrap up here, um, I would like to know if you have any other resources you'd like to share with the folks. I know uh, through Bethany, you guys have a lot of information because you guys have been dealing with adoptions for years and years and years. And I just want to know if you could share with folks where they could find some information, especially about open adoption or um, just how to handle emotions with birth families. Sure. Yeah, definitely a lot of resources out there, which parents have a lot of easy access to some of those resources. But what I would encourage is that it is so vital to look for fact-based, research-based resources in terms of any kind of normative adoptive parenting topics or issues. Probably one of the best out there that I steer parents to is an online training webinar called Openness and Adoption. What a concept. That training was developed by the Evan B. Donaldson Adoption Institute. And parents can find that online. It's located at www.adoptioninstitute.org. Um, it's a very in-depth training um, that has just a wealth of knowledge about what openness is, what it's not, um, and the, the tools in which adoptive parents need to be equipped to handle and navigate those relationships. Uh, the other website, which is great and um, has some other podcasts like yours to help inform parents, is creatingafamily.org. Um, they have several um podcast on open adoption and then lastly there's there's a blog um called the lost daughters and it's a powerful blog that really just gives you insights into thoughts of adoptees especially on this topic awesome all good stuff thank you for sharing that uh, i think i'll have all those in the show notes for this episode so if you're listening to this you don't have to frantically try to write anything down you can go over to the show notes at infiniteoptionguide.com forward slash 63 and we'll give all those to you that you can just 
easily access, including how to uh, go to hold of anybody at Bethany, but especially <laughs> Angela here. She's part of the Charlotte, North Carolina team. Uh, we'll have that link in the show notes as well. Um, is that the best place for them to contact you and your office is through the Charlotte office? Absolutely. And be happy to spend any time talking with people as they um, try to navigate open adoption. Yeah. And Bethany has a great post adoption support center. Um, I put the link in the show notes as well. I mean, there's a lot of great information there too. So um, you folks that are navigating um, your child's relationship with the birth family and those, there's a lot of great stuff in there. So, well, thank you so much, Angela, for joining us today. I mean, what a great topic. I mean, it really hits home with us as our kids are, are growing up in, in open adoption. Thank, thank goodness they are. And the varying levels of openness is always something to talk about and explore and to share with others because it is, it is so much different. I mean, everybody's story is a little bit different. All the varying levels of communication and contact you have with birth families really when you're first starting the process can really seem overwhelming. So I'm glad you came on and helped to cut through some of that overwhelm and really share your unique experience of being an adoptee and being in the adoption profession. So we appreciate you coming on today. Well, thank you, Tim. It was a pleasure. All right. So many great tips and stories and advice from Angela. I hope you got a ton out of this interview. I know I did such a great perspective, uh, having an adoptee we don't get very many adoptees on this show and i'm glad to have another one on angela did a great job sharing her her her, really her feelings and her unique perspective Uh, you can find all the highlights and links we talked about on today's show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 63 and i invite you while you're at on the website to go put your name and email address in get four free adoption ebooks are going to help you save time, money, and stress, and just get um, insight of what we're doing behind the scenes here at InfiniteAdoptionGuide.com. Coming out with some new things. Uh, I have an adoption profile video course there. There's just a lot of cool stuff that you'll get exclusively by signing up for our email list. So hope you can do that. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through infinite adoption. God bless you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to my dad.